Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and would love to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. So as a reminder, we do this by combining biblical principles with also concepts found from our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course. And then we have tons and tons and tons of discussion surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these three areas. So we're super excited because in today's episode, of course, joining us will be the No Boundaries International Vice President and Co-Founder, Sandy Orchard. Hello. And then, oh, I'm also super excited to announce that we have not only one of our worship leaders joining us, but two of our worship leaders joining us because today we're going to be talking about worship and what it's meant to them and what it truly actually means. So... We have, of course, Charlotte Freiberg. Hi. And she's been on the podcast before, so you might very much recognize her voice. But then we have a new person who hasn't been on the podcast yet, and this is going to be Tabitha. Hello. So just to kind of let us, you know, get a little introduction into who Tabitha is, uh, let's just ask her a few questions just so that you guys can get to know her, kind of like you got to know Charlotte before. So with that, Tab. How long have you been at No Boundaries? I've been at No Boundaries, it'll be 15 years in just a couple of weeks. That's a long time. Yes. That's a decade and a half. <laughs> One and a half decades. Yes. That is wild. Yeah. So tell us something fun about yourself. Uh, something fun about myself. So something that a lot of people don't know is that um, I have a ski bike. A what? A ski bike. So it's a bicycle frame with inline skis. And so... Um, Does it have little training wheels? No, that's what your feet are for. <laughs> Do you pedal it? Yeah, you use your feet. But so a group of us used to go snowboarding. I fell trying to snowboard for the first time, never wanted to get back on, but saw people on a ski bike. So I thought it would be fun to try, tried it, and then ended up just getting my own. And you just use your feet as you brake and your acceleration and... Just catch the, the slopes. Yeah. Do you go down the mountain? Yeah. Can you go up a mountain? Well, you get, you'll have, yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm wondering. Like, do you carry you your snow bike ski yeah. up your ski, up the ski Depending lift? on the lift. So you hold the bike with one and hold the back of the lift with the other arm and just go along your way. And then once you get to the stop, then you let go with the arm that's holding on and then you just run. Yeah. You kind of jump and run <laughs> with, with your bike in your arm. It's kind of funny. Sometimes if the the ski lift uh, guy is knowledgeable, then he'll slow it down for me. So then it's just a little jog, but sometimes it's just a full on sprint. So I don't get hit by the chair. Yeah. This would not go well for me. It took a couple tries to get it down. Did you fall? Uh, There's a couple times I fell getting off, but you (laughs) learn to duck so you don't get hit. (laughs) That's (laughs) Throw the bike and run. (laughs) Who has seen a ski bike on the slopes? I don't know that I, I ever haven't. have. There's smaller mountains in New Mexico that okay. allow it, but a lot of mountains don't allow it. Why not? Because you'll take someone out who's skiing I on guess. your ski bike? I guess. But there's pedals like you pedal it. No, no. your feet are the pedals. So if I, I need to go faster, then I just use my feet in snowboard boots. Or you change your direction. Yeah. Or, yeah. Hmm. I think I'll have to see it in person okay. to really understand what's okay. going on. To me, it's a recipe for disaster, but yep. I'm glad she knows how to do it. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. sure. But if it's icy at all, it's super hard. So it has to be 
perfect conditions. Yeah. When how often is that? Uh, just depends on how often you can go. Not in the beginning <laughs> of the season, not at the end of the season. Yeah. So sweet spot. Yeah. Well, we're super excited that you're here. Thank you on for this having episode. Me. And you guys, what we really want to talk with you about today is worship. And we really want to get into what it means and how these two even got started. I mean, I know you both have like crazy cool testimonies and how you even entered into the worship realm to where now that you're leading, I don't know, millions of people into the presence of God, like on what a yearly basis. So I think to start us off, Sandy, can you talk to us a little bit about Exodus 8 and 9 and what that means for worship? Yeah, so I think the story that Molly's referring to is, is probably um, a story that's very familiar to uh, most Christians, but it's the story of the Exodus where um, Moses, he goes in and, you know, God has called Moses. Actually, if you read the whole story, kind of the cliff note version of it. So Moses was born, his mom, it was during that time when um, the Hebrews couldn't, like the, the, the Egyptians were killing the Hebrew babies. So his mom had the baby and then put him in a little raft, so to speak, and put him down the Nile so that um, the Pharaoh's daughter would pick him up. And so that's exactly what happened. And then Moses was actually raised in Pharaoh's household. So technically, like Pharaoh was his grandfather. And so he grew up in that kind of atmosphere and could have anything he wanted. Um, he could have the best parties. He could, you know, he could have just unlimited wealth at his disposal. Pharaoh at that time was the richest man on earth. And so he grew up in that atmosphere, and then as the story goes, uh, he saw a, a Hebrew, and he kind of knew that he was an Israelite. He'd been told that, so he he saw he saw a fight and then ended up killing one of the Hebrews and then realized he was in a lot of trouble, so he ran away. And so he spent 40 years in the, the wilderness, and during that time, it was a real character development for Moses, um, and actually toward the end of the 40-year cycle, he ended up near, he's like, you know, he's a shepherd, so he's with the sheep, and he's he's near Mount Sinai, and he sees the burning bush and has this radical, crazy encounter with God. And so God calls him to free the other Israelites, and so he kind of reluctantly takes up that calling and goes back to Egypt. And so he confronts the Pharaoh repeatedly about letting the Israelites go. And and so if you if you kind of really read the story a little closer, Every time, or almost every time that he talks to Pharaoh about letting the Israelites go, he says, let my people go so that they may worship. And he says that repeatedly. And so I think sometimes as believers, we kind of like get fixated on this when we read the story about Moses, that Moses is there to bring the the Israelites to the promised land. And that's a true statement. But if you really read the details, Moses actually says to to for to Pharaoh to let them go so that they can worship. That's like the the front end of it. That's the priority in the whole message that he wants to take the Israelites to worship God first. So they escape from uh, Egypt. You know, there's the miraculous parting of the Red Sea, um, great celebration, and they should be. That's a huge miracle. And then they have some struggles over the weeks um, after that that miracle. They run out of water, and so they pray for God to provide water. He does. They run out of food, and so God ends up providing um, manna and quail. And so uh, they keep having these struggles, and it doesn't really, they don't really deal with the struggles very well. And so they complain a lot. And so Moses ends up taking them back to Mount Sinai, and he takes them to Sinai because he wants them to encounter God like he encountered them. 
And so it, that's like a that's like a personal thing. Like, hey, I've had this incredible encounter with God, and I want to take you there too. And so he leads the Israelites to this mountain specifically to encounter God, and they struggle with that. They find God scary. They're like, Moses, why don't you just tell us what to do? You hear from God. And so um, the whole point was to worship God first before they ever go on this uh, journey to the to the promised land. Because if they hadn't, if they have it reversed, if the whole idea after Egypt was to go straight to the promised land, then that promised land would end up becoming an idol. And so the whole point in this uh, the early discussion in Exodus is about uh, Moses wanting them to worship God on the mountain and having that beautiful experience and having that intimate experience of encounter with God. Okay, awesome. That's beautiful, actually. <laughs> and so Sandy taught that to us in a in a devotional time about a week ago, and I just had never really paid attention to let my people go so yeah. that they may worship. And I remember um, being a part of Restoration Team for so long, I remember a, a partner or a, f- a friend of mine who did restoration with me asking, so what would be your goal for someone going through restoration? And my heart immediately said that they would worship, mm-hmm. that they would come into such a freedom that their whole mind, body, spirit, and soul could truly love God yeah. from a place of adoration. And so that's that's really the Egyptians being delivered. No, sorry, the Israelites being delivered from Egypt. Um so that they may worship mm-hmm. and and have complete and total vision and relationship and experience with the one true God outside of bondage. And I think it, you know, and I think there's a lot of parallels between the Israelites and us mm-hmm. as humans. And so um, God wanted them to worship at the mountain at Sinai because like the Israelites had 400 years of of Egyptian culture. That's 400 years of worship of false gods and this culture that didn't revere the one true God, the God that, that we worship. And so, I mean, there had to be transformation. And so what God is wanting him to do is to worship him first. And that's where the, the, the big transformation takes place is when God enters into that person through worship. I mean, that's just how I read it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so you have deliverance then you have a free heart in worship, which then leads you into identity, into the promised land. And so through worship, that really, in worship, when we really see God for who He is, then we really come to know ourselves in light of that and His love for us. Yeah. And that leads you into the promised land and into purpose mm-hmm. um, and into dwelling in the place that He has set aside for us. And so it's yeah. really a powerful, I'd never really considered that account in Exodus to to align with that. Well, and then Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews kind of references that point where Moses took them up to the mountain and the, um, and the whole chapter is talking about worship. And then that now that we are heirs of the kingdom because of what Jesus did for us. And then at the end of Hebrews uh, 12, 28 through 29, um, it says, since we are receiving our rights, um, to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer the purest worship. Um, offer God the purest worship that delights His heart, as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. For our God is a holy, devouring fire, and it's it's just a, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we just surrender our lives, 
receive the gift that He has for us, and then He will continue to refine us with His holy fire. Mm-hmm. But that that's our response. Mm-hmm. Like our response to knowing that he, he is a holy God and an all-consuming fire who has delivered us, our response naturally when we ha- receive revelation of the fullness of that is a heart of worship mm-hmm. that is pure unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Mm-hmm. So, Tab, mm-hmm. now that you've added that, <laughs> can we just hear a little bit about your story? Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I've been with No Boundaries for 15 years. Um, started out going on a just a, what I thought would just be a one-time mission trip um, yeah. that the church I was going to uh, invited No Boundaries to lead. And it just, at the end of it, I realized that it was just a little bit of what I was supposed to do. So um, during that trip, we'd have daily devotions. And um, just one of the team members um, here at No Boundaries just had a vision for me that uh, during worship, a prophetic word of that I was supposed to lead worship in front of millions. And at that time, I was 20 years old, insecure, not knowing my identity whatsoever, not really even knowing the fullness of, of what I contain as a now as an heir of the kingdom, um, giving my life over to Christ. And so I didn't know exactly how to take that. Um, so um I didn't sing at the time. I didn't play any instruments, didn't do anything. And so we just settled on maybe, how about a guitar lesson? So um, the team member took me, uh, we arranged something after the trip and went over and um, started doing guitar lessons. My first guitar lesson, I actually had a guitar I got for Christmas like several years before that. Um, And so we're sitting, talking through the process And uh, like I said before, I was very insecure. And so I kind of blacked out during this time. (laughs) I do not have a whole lot. She didn't physically black out, like hit the deck, but it was just, she doesn't remember. I have no recollection. (laughs) I have no memory of this time. Mm -hmm. Um, Just what has been told to me. Um, And so we're sitting there. She's like, okay, this is what the chords look like. This is what you're going to do. And so um, one of us has to sing. Um, but she said she wasn't going to sing. So I had to sing. And that's when I, well, as we say, I flipped my lid and I don't have any memory. And so we're going through this song, singing it, playing the chords and stop. And actually Sandy walks into the room and asks, did you guys turn on the radio or CD or something so you could do it? Or, or what was the, who was singing and come to, it was me singing. <laughs> and so Sandy's like, well, maybe you guys should just put down the guitar and just figure out what worship looks the like. The cat was out of the bag. Singing. Yeah. So um, music had always been a place for me to escape Yeah. Um, growing up. So whether just because of my insecurity and um, just being a homebody and very uh, introverted or whether hard things were happening at my house or at school or whatever, music was a... Um, was an escape. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> even thinking about it, so we watched, there's a new movie about Celine Dion. Uh, it's very cheesy. So <laughs> if you want to watch it, do, but I don't give a hundred percent. Yeah, go watch it. Um, but Celine Dion growing up was 
Really? My person, yes. So I remember having my little my little tape player Walkman. This is incredible. So, um, little another little tidbit about me that not a whole lot of people know. Um, and so that was just an escape. And so then, at that point, once I they saw that I was I could sing, and I didn't even know I could sing either. It was more of a process of surrender. So healing from the hard things of my past and just saying, okay, Jesus, whatever, whatever you have for me, whatever I need to do to let go, come and come and do it. Yeah. And so it was just a a continual development through that. Um, And then even thinking before I had that encounter of starting to sing, um, even before I knew the Lord, I remember, um, going on trips to visit one of my grandparents and sitting in church and just hearing them sing during worship and not knowing that I was encountering the majesty mm-hmm. and just the the sovereignty of the Lord in it. I would just, I would just sit there and just cry. <laughs> I mean, it would, uh, the song that I remember at first, just feeling that was our God is an awesome God. Mm -hmm. And so it was just uh, knowing that there was something different about worship Mm -hmm. and that my heart really engaged in it, but not knowing what it was fully Mm -hmm. when I was a a little kid or a teenager. So, so yeah, after that first trip and then trying guitar lessons for the first and last time (laughs) and realizing that, um, the Lord had equipped me to do worship through singing. Um, I never in a million years would have thought that that was what He had for me. But right, that's I a don't complete one eighty. Yeah, I don't know if I I wouldn't trade it, you know, for something else. I, yeah, that's just it's a happy place now. Mm. So, and I mean, and you can tell. And I've got. I mean, I've had the opportunity to sit under both you and Charlotte during worship and and I'm telling you like there's an intimacy there that's authentic you know that it feels like leads you straight into the presence of God mm-hmm. that's real and not performance or not trying but just because we have that holy reverence of who God is as king mm-hmm. and it's incredibly powerful so Charlotte what about you so um, lately, I've been praying that my kids would, as they are empty nesting, right, as I'm empty nesting, and they are going to college and whatnot, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would be home for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I experienced that because worship was, I mean, I'm thankful in my home growing up, worship was um, always in the background or in the forefront of our home or in church. And so we always had Amy Grant or Susan Ashton or the vineyard music going, playing at home. And, um, and at church, we had a very spirit filled church, um, where we sang a lot of heartfelt response songs, like the vineyard songs. Um, our God is an awesome God. I wanted at my wedding with the banners (laughs) and the, the doves flying. I didn't quite get it to that level, but that um, that song also for me was um, was a big heart connection to God and just recognizing Him for who He is, and I think we we need to know His Majesty and understand the security in that. 
it's secure to Mm -hmm. know who he is and come up under that. And so worship for me really brings security in that acknowledgement of who he is. So I had um, the experience of worship growing up. And I remember having a bit of a rebellious season in life going through college and whatnot. And then I was in my um, practicum for counseling. um, And I was overwhelmed and beyond my abilities and, and just kind of just feeling like I couldn't do it. And I remember turning my radio station to the Christian radio station in my little Honda and weeping. And 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 the Lord just brought me back home. And I just knew that this was my place, that He was my place. And, um, and He was worthy of my attention. And He was the only place to really have peace and have... Um, have security. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember shifting, you know, to, to surround my environment again into worship. And that really changed something for me and became a commitment that I have for my family and my home. Um, but also, I, I play the guitar with my dad. He's very musical. And I learned the guitar when I was in eighth grade. And we played all kinds of Crosby, Sills, Nash and Young and the Beatles <laughs> and um, the Eagles and different people that he would listen to. And so I've always loved music and it's always been a big heart connection for me, um, with people and, um, sentiment. And so, um, I was involved in a a women's Bible study in China and in Shanghai. And, um, these were Singaporean women who loved to sing to God and they, um, they were just a very deeply committed community where I was mentored and grew in my um, understanding of of truly what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And in that, one of them who was mentoring me said, I think you are supposed to lead worship. And I hadn't played the guitar in probably 10 years. Um, so I really kind of had ha- hadn't really gotten that involved at that point in worship but she called me out and made me bring my guitar and lead like three little songs with the with the community. Um, and I was so nervous. And I remember just knew like three or four chords that I remembered from when I was younger. But um, something happened then. And I fell in love with the power of connecting to God through worship. Mm-hmm. And so I was I kind of couldn't put my guitar down from that point. Um and that is kind of the beginning of that story for actually leading worship. Yeah. And that's where I know in my own walk, like before I could even really say that I believed in God or was even buying into the whole Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I remember I would start like going to a church and I would go and I would just stay for the worship. Mm-hmm. So I would just stay for like the 20, 30 minutes or whatever before the message and then I'd leave. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about that and I was like, I don't know why, but it was doing something. Mm-hmm. But there's something powerful that happens. And it's like there's j- just like a like a raw intimacy mm-hmm. where your spirit is communicating with God mm-hmm. and then God is communicating with you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that's so raw and that feels so safe mm-hmm. and that feels so freeing that, that even like whenever you don't fully know yet things, there's mm-hmm. something that just regrounds you in worship mm-hmm. or even being able to sing and praise the Lord in that place even whenever everything else is chaos, mm-hmm. like it just recenters you because you then get to see who God is and who you are suddenly in a form that that's 
that's at its rawest. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Sandy, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, one of the things uh, that really strikes my heart. So, I mean, I grew up in a kind of a musical family also. But the, the thing I really had to realize is that worship is not like... Um, it's not just some singing thing that we do to fulfill the, you know, the three songs before the sermon or, right. you know, the 20 minutes because it's just part of the procedure kind of thing. But really, um, I had to learn that, man, there's something happens when you really worship. Like it, it taps into a heart, into, into a part of your heart that you can't express in words. And so in the sense of like, if you take it deeper than just saying the words and following the words on the screen, and you take it deeper, like you close your eyes and you really, and Charlotte mentioned this a minute ago, really use the singing and the worship as a way to connect to God. There's something supernatural about mm-hmm. it. It's it's phenomenal. And so I think that's kind of what I was um, hoping that we would talk about today is that it does something inside of you. It's like a gift from God that he's given to us humans um, in that there's something about music coupled with the word of God or the things, the, the, the words that glorify God, that that man, it does something to your heart. Like you had said, Molly, it like awakens your heart. And at the same time, and if you use it rightly in a, in a right manner, like you, you see God for, you start to see God for who he is and see glimpses of him and see how amazing he is. And it just, it's a supernatural event. And I, I've, I've always had a loss of words of how to explain it. But I think it just awakens your heart, and, it, and it's a gift that God gives us to connect with Him, just like mm-hmm. Charlotte had mentioned ago, a minute ago. And so one of the things in the journey of restoration that, uh, like, one of the processes that we use um, is drawing. And I know Charlotte's on the restoration team, but um, because, like, when you have a trauma or something that's hard to go through, the drawing actually activates a part of your brain that nothing else will like words can't activate it because it's it's a certain part of your brain and, and actually for the listener who wants to know more it's part of our journey of restoration e-course but and i think uh, the drawing unlocks those things and i think in the same way i think music mm-hmm. that's dedicated to god like with a hard intent of worshiping him and using it to connect with him unlocks something like that in your heart mm-hmm. So it's super powerful, and it's way more than just seeing the words on the screen thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It opens up your experiences. So it takes it from things that are just head knowledge, which is the same as drawing, like you are saying, Sandy. It's like whenever you draw, you're not um, connecting things intellectually or trying to intellectually, like, see a picture or do something. And it's the same with music is that it activates the middle part of our brain, which is going to activate your senses mm-hmm. and open your ex- your senses up and able so that you're able to receive experiences. And I feel like with worship, that's what you're trying to say, is that mm-hmm. it has, it opens your senses to where you can experience God. Mm-hmm. And it's neat that, that a reality is that right here and right now in heaven, like there is endless worship happening mm-hmm. like as we sit here and yeah, podcast 24 7 24 7 24 7 worship around the throne of god mm-hmm. that will last in through eternity that has been happening and that is forever happening mm-hmm. and it's like suddenly whenever you get to participate in that there's a connectedness between 
the heavenly realms and with here that you can realize that you're not just worshiping like alone or by yourself. Like I feel like worship connects all of the believers in some way. Mm-hmm. Like there's people, there's people in China mm-hmm. or in the underground churches in the Middle East or in Nepal or Africa who are singing these same praises to God. Mm-hmm. And we can join all in on that and it connects the body of Christ. Like, not even just with each other, but with also with all of heaven. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. Yeah. And then as a worship leader, um, like when you are leading a room full of people, what I do at least is I just ask the question, what are you doing in this room? And what do you want us to know today? Mm -hmm. And so then if I get some sort of word or I just, I share it whether it's a chorus or um, just a, a thought of what we need to be praying about in the room right now or facilitating something. It's just a, a connectedness. So that there's, I mean, when you're leading a group of people, it's it's kind of like following the leader. Mm-hmm. So I'm following him where then everyone else can follow me as well up yeah. to where we're worshiping him and and doing what we feel in the moment. And in that connectedness, it's like all the barriers come down. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing quite like being in a group or in a room with the people who are worshiping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the barriers come down and there's like a sense of unity and a sense of um, that, like we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And so then whenever you start to hear things, like because you're connected, like you I feel like you get words for other people mm-hmm. or you suddenly know like what you're praying over or, or whenever God drops something into your spirit and you look and someone else is also feeling that thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It is. And there's also, I mean, I feel because of, because of leading worship, I feel a real responsibility, a deep responsibility to lead people to, to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I must be authentically worshiping myself. And yes. so I could come in tired. I could come in feeling a little bit insecure about a certain song that we're getting ready to try today. I could feel a little bit irritated with whatever was happening before I walked in or someone in the room, even whatever. Um, and I really, really need to be in my spirit totally, totally attuned to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, it, it means surrendering. It means Getting out cleansing <laughs> my mind and heart and spirit to get out of the way, right? Exactly what Tab mm-hmm. just said. In order to realize the authority that that we're carrying as leaders to bring people into that place of connection with God. It's, it's the most holy place. It's mm-hmm. the most sacred place. It's the place that people... You know, they put a rope on the priest, you know, to if they had to drag him out because he died, if they did something wrong in the Holy of Holies, you know. And so we have the new covenant. We have the blood of Jesus. We can boldly approach the throne, but it is the throne. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want to forget that. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is a true responsibility. And therefore, I need, we need anointing. It's, It's not about performing. It's not about... Did I do this right? Did I say this well? It's really fun to lead with Tab and both of us. She'll get a prophetic word and start singing um, a little spontaneous song. And it's so neat that I'm prepared to go with her there yeah. and that we we play well together mm-hmm. because we're truly both feeling the responsibility of leadership 
and in awe of God in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's really fun and exciting when she gets something or when I get something and we stay in it for a while or we move to a new song together, but we just keep our, we actually keep our, our, our musical rhythms and, and a key really simple so that we can really focus on God and not get too complicated with the actual music. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet there's something anointed in it that feels really, um, really complicated in a way because people are getting mm-hmm. um, words and revelation and truth while we're singing. And that's where I know like biblically when they had the Levites mm-hmm. who were set apart as worshipers and to guard the tent or the mm-hmm. Holy of Holies, like mm-hmm. the, they were the ones because they were chosen as the worshipers and the people to protect what was holy mm-hmm. because they didn't turn and start worshiping false idols. Mm-hmm. Like it's because that they didn't worship the false idols that they were given the responsibility to protect what was holy. And then it says even then that, that as worshipers and as the people protecting the holy place, that they were the ones who would distinguish between what was holy and what was common. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's still something that worship leaders carry is that they distinguish between what is holy and what is common. Hmm. And so being able to lay down the day or lay down whatever is going is it happens in you guys first. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm going to establish between what is holy and what is common. And right now this is common but there is a holy God who's all deserving and all worthy of our worship. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get, and then I'm going to stay in that place. And then you feel better as one day in your courts than a thousand. Cause then once you get there, you're like, like none I of mean, this even matters. it doesn't, common, it just bows. It yeah. just falls. It just dissipates, whatever. And you really, you really, um, you really love like from a deep place in your heart, you really love God. Yeah. And that's, what my heart wants to to fall into, you know, is that place of true loving with all of my heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and then loving other people from that place. And worship, I think, leads us there when we truly see Him for who He is. And that's what you guys want, is mm-hmm. you want people to see God, yeah. how you've gotten a taste of being able to see God. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing, there's nothing more beautiful and captivating and and pure and fulfilling than that. And then I've also had two encounters with my children when they were really little, where one time I was, we were in China and my husband was getting ready to, we were probably going to move to Singapore and he was frustrated with some things and I wasn't really sure what was happening with our life. And I was just praying, crying out to God. And then literally my three-year-old oldest at the time came all the way up the stairs, walked in the door my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. And then he turned around and walked right back downstairs. That's all. He didn't say anything. We didn't have a discussion. He just sang yeah. to me mm-hmm. what I needed to hear. And then another time when I was in a place of, I think, pruning, and I was really cutting back from community to be able to really get connected to God. And it felt kind of weird. And I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm going to just call a friend and go to lunch and and, 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 and I'm not, I'm not encouraging isolation by any means, but it was just a place I knew for me that I needed to be. 
And I was getting ready to kind of just start contacting friends. And my middle one, who was about the same age as the oldest one at the time that he sang to me, came in and said, trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And he walked out. And so as much as we lead <laughs> worship and there's this responsibility, out? it's amazing how out of the mouth of babes and, and the scripture that talks about in Ephesians, you know, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, sing and make music to your hearts, to the uh, from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's amazing when it comes from your children in a place that you need it. And so we are all worshipers, yeah. and we all get to get to choose to sing and make music to each other in bringing truth and peace, mm-hmm. or we can try to logically analyze each other and criticize and get frustrated with or preach to in a way that may or may not be what God's speaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a real freedom in worship when we just connect in that way. And I think, too, that one thing that I just want to like throw out a question there. So say maybe somebody's listening to this and thinks, well, I'm not musically gifted. I can't sing like Tab, and I can't play the guitar like Charlotte. And so what would you... What would you respond to that question? Either one of you, actually. It's a lot of it is a heart posture. So it's not about being up on the stage. It's not about being in front of people. It's just about our heart posture towards the Lord. And so if you have a heart for worship, just worship Him in your own way. You don't even have to be a part of a formal team or anything. I mean, that's what we're called to do as heirs is to worship Him because we are part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it's really not dependent on musical gifts. No. And there are times when, I mean, I felt really awkward in my house, and I just felt like I was supposed to sing something out loud, you know, and you're by yourself in your house, and you still feel a little awkward, but there's something that happens when we speak truth out of our mouth. Mm-hmm. There's just power and life or death in the tongue. And when we sing or speak life, it changes the atmosphere. That's why when you walk into an atmosphere of worship, you feel something different. And so we we carry that in our mouth and in our tongue. And so regardless, you mean every, everyone, everyone right. does. Yes. And so regardless of how it sounds, make a joyful noise. Mm-hmm. Like I, I consider myself a hound dog for Jesus. I just, oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just howling, you know. And, and I think once we let go of what it sounds like or looks like or feels like, you know, then we actually really see the power and the authority through our heart response to God. Mm -hmm. I would also say that, I mean, that worship isn't just confined to musical gifts Mm -hmm. or your music, like anything with the heart posture of an offering unto the Lord is an act of worship. Yeah. So like, I mean, what you do with your time can be an act of worship Mm -hmm. or what you resources, resources, or like any of that can be an act of worship. So just to, so that we're not like only the people who are gifted musically or like, do they carry worship? Mm -hmm. But it's worship is so much more. It's what you're spending your time and your resources on and what your heart truly is for in and where it's positioned. Because like Charlotte said, I like what you just said earlier, um, but you said we're all meant to worship. Mm-hmm. Like we're all born to worship. Mm-hmm. And so at some to some degree, we're all worshiping something. Any act that's glorifying Him. 
So even yeah. through kind words of love to a random stranger mm. can be worship to him. Yeah. So because it's an offering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if you're anything that we're saying, here, God, take this. Mm-hmm. And if you're saying, I take my time, take my words, take my whatever, and you're offering it back unto the king, mm-hmm. like that's not taken lightly. So I would just add that on there as well. Yeah. And I heard a long time ago, somebody was teaching and they said, you know, what you magnify is what you're going to see. And so I do believe that magnifying the Lord, looking at Him, taking the time to really look at Him, um, speaking to Him what you see Mm -hmm. when you choose to see Him is what you then see. And so the other things aren't magnified. They're yeah. not the highlighted things. And it and it attunes us and aligns us. I think about the frequency of heaven when you think about the throne room and all the and all of the worship happening and how we can just connect within that frequency and and truly be known and know him at that place. Because that's really it in the end. He says, I didn't know you, I never knew you, or I knew you. And I think we know him often through worship Mm -hmm. and then walking out a life of worship and obedience to him by loving people um, with a sacrificial love. But we do need to speak to him what we know him to be and and desire to know him more. And I think worship brings that spirit of wisdom and revelation that, that Paul prays for, for us in Ephesians, you know, that we may know him. Mm -hmm. We need to open our eyes and open our ears and the Lord does that, but he does that when we, desire it. Yeah, that's so good. Well, does anyone have any just final parting thoughts as we wrap up today's session? He's so worthy. I just, (laughs) so he, he's just worthy. Um, when, 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 whenever, I don't know, whenever I, I feel either inadequate or, um, Whenever I feel excited about it, it doesn't really matter. When we get before Him, we see how worthy He is mm-hmm. of our our minds full attention, our mouths full expression, and our hearts full obsession. Yeah, with Him, He is worthy, and so and it and it is wild how you put a worship song in, in an atmosphere or you sing a worship song live just without music not in key it doesn't matter it it shifts the atmosphere mm-hmm. he sits enthroned on the praises of his people it's it's true and he does he, his presence is manifest his presence is always with us but it's manifest often through worship yeah that's good yeah Tom? We're all designed with desires in our heart, and we're all going to worship something or someone. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to try to find the fulfillment to be fulfilled or whatever in our hearts. And so who or what are we going to worship? So we can worship creation or a a human or uh, even bad habits and it's just idolatry, yeah. or we can worship the one true king who paid it all for us. Mm. That's so good. So as we wrap up today's session, Charlotte and Tab, I'm just wondering if you guys could just do a little worship song. Of course. Just an ending. Yeah. Okay, yes. thanks. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you for having us. Amen. Amen. Amen.